time for honest reflection in youth ministry. The present culture is more established than ever, yet so crushing for many a youth pastor. There's a lot to be learned about youth ministry and even more to be shared. Here's to hoping that this helps, whether you are 19 and have just started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years. We hope that this weekly dose of honesty and humor will help to heal and renew hope for you and yours. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest hour in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After Nine. How are you? My name is Chad Higgins and this is... I'm Zach Working. Zach, how in the world are you, man? Man, I'm good, Chad. This is exciting. We uh, have a special episode today with a special new friend. Uh, This is John Chandler from Sermonsmith. John, if you want to say hello. Did you just call me a special new friend? I'm like a special (laughs) friend. Well, you're Texan, and so as an Oklahoman, we have to qualify all of the things Texan. I'm jumping in. I'm not Texan. I live in Texas, but... Uh, I've only lived here seven years, and I'm in Austin. It okay, okay, qualifies. so you're an annex. You're an annex in Texas. <laughs> right. then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, wow. I still shiver. I grew up in Colorado, and okay. so we always despise Texans. So I still shiver when, Good. yeah, when anything related to Te- or, or Oklahoma, for that matter. Sorry. Oh, oh ouch. This, <laughs> it, it makes so much more sense now, John. Where in Colorado are you from? Uh, I grew up in Longmont, which is like an hour north of Denver. Yeah, absolutely. I lived in Estes Park for oh, yeah. a summer. No way. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I actually, very very cool. I actually lived in a small town called Hygiene, which was just west of Longmont. Which was, I mean, you go on Highway sixty six to go up to Estes Park, and that was yeah, yeah. a mile from our house. That's awesome, man. Very yeah. cool. So, so John, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, where you're in Austin now? What do you do there? Yeah. Uh, I am I am bivocational. I am a pastor of a church that we started. Uh, we started meeting on weekends, you know, on Sunday mornings about two and a half years ago. And so I work roughly three days a week. I get paid three days a week for the church. And then uh, I do freelance web design and development alongside that. I, that's something I started doing a long time ago. I did full-time ministry up until we moved to Austin and but I'd already always done that on the side. So it gave me a chance to do some bivocational stuff where we're getting our church up and running. That's awesome. And so you're also a fellow podcaster, right? I am a fellow podcaster. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually participate in two, um, but I know the reason I'll tell you briefly. I also co-host a podcast for the Ecclesia Network, which our church is part of. And so we just interviewed, but that's kind of where I got my, chops podcasting and learned how to do it but my primary podcast which has many more episodes is sermon smith and sermon smith is a podcast where i just interview preachers about how they do sermon prep just to hear everybody's process that's awesome so zach you made me aware of sermon smith and i've been devouring it I have to I have to geek out a little bit. This, this was this was my call to make, and I was really excited. So I've been a listener of of John's uh, Sermon Smith podcast for a long time, and he has some of my favorites, some of some of the greats, some of my heroes. And so when Chad was like, "We need to do some focus on like like doing talks and prep," because we feel like a lot of our listeners feel like that's an area of growth, or at least an area of kind of you know maybe uh, vulnerability. I was like, "Well, we got to talk to John because John's talked to everybody." <laughs> There you go. I just wanted to tap everybody else into all of John's wisdom. I love it. 
So, John, you have basically all of the weight of everyone's sermons I, on your shoulders right now. I have to represent. <laughs> so I've done, I, I didn't look it up. You asked me a minute ago. I, I think I've done 65 interviews, maybe 66. Let's say 65. That feels safer. 65 and feels safe. Okay. So basically what you're saying is I have to carry the expertise of 65 other and Sorry. one of the people that was interviewed was me. So really 64. You're saying I have to <laughs> 64 well, he's, experts he's, he's, in, in the next, what, would you give me seven minutes? How much time? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can, have, you, can have all, you can have all of eight. <laughs> all of eight. That's awesome. Okay, so tell us, um, as you've been doing Sermon Smith, what have, been, um, what have been some of your favorite interviews that you've done and what have made those stand out to you? Oh man, no pressure, right? Yeah, right. At, right out of the bat, man. Just name drop, but go ahead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, honestly, I think some of my favorites have been the ones I just. I'm going to qualify my answer. I think some of my favorites have been the ones, to be honest, that I've found the most resonance with because of whatever they're doing is something that I would see as an improvement on what I do or what they're doing is similar to you know. Uh, so there's a few that stand out for me. Um, but as you would probably know, I gotta I gotta make sure I've got you guys straight. All right, you're Zach that's asking me questions. No, that's Zach. So Chad's asking me questions. So, so you both, yes, you both have beards. It's <laughs> you're both wearing something hooded. Um, sorry, Chad. Um, yeah. So I mean, imagine there's some that stand out for you because of resonance or non-resonance. A few that stand out for me specifically. One of the ones I did early on was Tim Keel, who Tim is a friend, and he's actually become more of a friend since we did that podcast. But uh, I just think because Tim, I think I could say this, he's really nerdy. I think, yeah. I think I'd think i be willing to say yeah. that to his face and I'm really nerdy too. So I just loved how much he really got into it. Um, you know, ex but on the other hand, I'm really digital and he's very non-digital. So, uh, but it, there was some good stuff in that one. The one, and I've probably done other podcasts like this, like you're talking about a few times where people ask me, what are your standouts? And I, I always give the same answer. One that really stood out to me was Wade Hodges. And Wade is a, he is a Texan. Actually, he spent some time in Oklahoma too, but I think he's pretty tried and true Texan. He's a okay. Church of Christ pastor up in the Dallas area because he does four sermons at a time. And oh, wow. you wow. know, in the Church of Christ, you know, when you're the senior pastor, your primary job is to preach. So certainly mm -hmm. he's got that going for him. But he, you know, on I don't remember what his day off is and how it works, but on Monday, he'll be working on a sermon for four weeks out. And then on Tuesday, he'll be working on the sermon for three weeks out. So he's always just kind of kicking these Looping along, through. you know, wow. one, one step at a time. And I really appreciated that. You know, I really in, enjoyed what he had to say. And then, but another one that stands out to me for reasons that are much more ambiguous and much less concrete uh, is Wynn Collier. Wynn's a friend of mine who's like a, Baptist pastor in Virginia with very strong Anglican sensibilities. Uh, but he's, he's just very much, I mean, Wynn is a writer and so he's a very thoughtful reflective. And I love that he, I loved the conversation with him because I love what he brings to it out of all that. So those are a few that like, as I look back, they stand out. I could certainly go through and pick out bits and pieces of almost all of them that stand out to me. I like that you picked a contemplative Baptist as one of your favorites. That makes me feel good. <laughs> would you Would you qualify as a contemplative Baptist? I aspire. I aspire. You aspire. Yeah. All right. <laughs> a longing for you. A deep, deep longing. Yeah, from the uh, from the, the depth of my heart. Okay, so so John, for you, why why Sermon Smith? Like, what what prompted you to begin to to do this, and and why has um, why has this been something that you've ran after? 
Yeah, I, I've always, maybe not always, but for a long time, I have been a just fan of trying to understand what makes creativity happen. And I remember a long time ago, I don't know, I don't know if you're going to lose your your clean iTunes tag if I say this, but I remember a long time ago watching a Monty Python movie. Uh, it okay. was The Life of Brian, so it was rated R. So boom, you day. guys are explicit yeah. just like that. <laughs> but I remember watching that, and I remember there was a scene where they were one of the guys was writing Romans go home all over the side of a wall. You can pretend you don't know what I'm talking about because, you know, it wouldn't be okay for you to have seen this movie. Uh, but he was writing Romans go home all over a wall, and a Roman soldier came up to him and he thought, you know, he was going to kill him. But actually, he got in trouble because he had not been using proper Latin grammar as he was writing Romans go home <laughs> all over the wall. And uh, ultimately, then the Roman guard made him write that all over the wall a hundred times once he had it down correctly. And I just remember having this thought, I and mean, this was a long, this, is, this was, honestly, this is probably 20 years ago. I'm very old. Uh, it was probably 20 years ago when I was in youth ministry. And I just it resonated with me of this, this is, this is creativity happening right here. And it's these elements of take two things that don't fit together mm -hmm. and they put them together and they make something happen out of, you know, it's the teacher telling you to write something properly, telling you to write something multiple times on a chalkboard as punishment. And it's just unexpected. And I, I, I tell that story. I haven't told that story in a long time. I tell that story though, cause it, that's just, that kind of helped me recognize some of the resonance I have with what creative processes look like. And then about 10 years ago, I started a blog called Creativityist, which was all about what are the best workflows for making sure that you integrate creative processes in your life. I'd read books like Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, yep. where she talks all about what the writing process looks like. And as I was working through that, and then as, as I was starting to move into a season of preaching more in our church startup, I just, not that this not that this was new with me or new to anyone, but I just realized so much of everything that I've thought about as far as creative work, whether it's writing or whatever it is, it applies so much to the sermon process. I mean, it, there are very few, other than maybe somebody who has to write, you know, a few articles for a newspaper a week or pound out, there, there are very few, maybe, maybe people who write TV shows, you know, but the, the work that has to be done week after week after week to put together the content. And so out of that, I just started asking friends, tell me how you put your sermons together. I found some of them really perked up and they got really excited about having that conversation because yeah. it wasn't that common of a conversation. Uh, right. You know, most but, of but us haven't really thought about it since homiletics class, right? <laughs> right. Well, but it, but it is a common occurrence, right? right so like, right. that's one of the things I love that your site and blog both offer is that it's it's something that everybody's always thinking about but very few people, very few people want to have the conversation about, right? Like, like there's a very niche audience that wants to talk about the gear, the prep, and the ritual that goes into preparing a sermon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like when I listen to like comedians that I love to listen to, it's like they're talking in this um, when they talk about the craft of comedy, they're talking in this like own little like sub circle of what's going on, and so it, it's only the people that like do it that understand it that appreciate it, and so it's like almost inviting folks in across all of these different you know the, the niche that they live in to have this conversation and to have a weekly fresh thing to prepare each week is so unique i mean everybody else gets to workshop and try and practice and redo and rehearse but you know the sermon thing is it is it kind of lives and dies each week yeah and and uh i, I found i've definitely found that some you know just light up in those conversations i i won't name a name here but there was one kind of well-known prominent uh 
voice preacher that I reached out to got uh, connected to through a mutual friend, and his response was, I wouldn't even begin to know how to talk about how I put a sermon together, which, mm. which uh. I thought, well, that's interesting because you do it every week, but, you know, <laughs> so you do get a, a lot of variety. I mean, you, you also alluded to uh, uh, the, the gear, Zach, and, and all that, and I've been, that's one of the things I've been really surprised about is the different variety of how some people just really get into and try to take advantage of all the different tools. I thought tools. that, honestly, I thought the podcast would be more about that when I started. I thought there'd okay. be more talk about, I'm using this app and I'm using this and this and this. Yeah. And I've been really surprised by how non-technological and, and underutilizing so many of the tools people are. Yeah. Yeah. Still a lot of pen and paper folk out there. There sure are. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I am through and through. <laughs> so one of the one of the ongoing things, John, that you'll have to know about us that will help you identify us in future episodes uh, is that Chad is the guy that uh, well he, he carries very little to the table. It's a <laughs> it's the pen he took from the hotel. It's his journal and a water bottle he took from the front desk. Whereas I will pack mule four bags of stuff uh, because I want to have multiple journals, multiple notebooks, and uh, multiple recording devices at all times. And even as you say that, that he's the pen and paper guy, he's sitting there flipping a pen in his pen. hand. Yeah, because he, yeah. he has a pad in front of him, and I have an iPad open. Right. <laughs> what more do I need? What more do I need? Okay, so John, man, so as you're as you're talking to these different guys, do you find that you have like specific questions that you always ask, or is it always different for uh, each and every episode? I have the easiest podcast to host in all the world. <laughs> Say five, five, right? Because, yeah. I don't, I, so, first of all, I interview preachers, and they're used yeah. to talking for a living. I <laughs> typically like to talk. Um, but you just turn the mic on. And one, two, away. three, go. But yeah, I mean, I have, I have really the same set of questions that, and, and you know, some, there's certainly, I, I have to be paying attention because sometimes I want to, trail off and go different directions with people. But the same questions that I ask just about every time are, uh, tell us about your context. Tell us about what is the role of preaching in your church? Because people from different traditions, that means different things in a lot of different churches. And so I want to get some context out of that. Uh, I ask people how they plan, like how far ahead they plan and what kind of series they do. And then I ask people to talk specifically about really, you know, this is where we get a little more nitty gritty, but just talk about, you know, any given message. What does it look like for you to prepare that and talk through that with them? You know, and that really becomes the bulk of it. All the others kind of form context and background for that question. Uh, and as much as I can, some can do this really well and some can't, but as much as I can, I really try to get a, what are your steps and what, you know, does the week to week look like as you're doing that? Uh, and so follow-up questions come out of that. And then the, one other scripted question that's purely uh, just f for me because I love books and I'm a book nerd is, you know, what are some books that have helped shape you as a preacher? So I just come back around to that too. But yeah, those are, so all I have to do is, you know, I have a, every time I've got a little Moleskine notebook where I scratch out, you know, my questions and space where I want to write down notes about their answers. And then I just, <laughs> every person I interview, I just go through and I scratch off <laughs> when I get through each one. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculously easy to host this podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. my podcast not your podcast 
Okay, so so we want to flip the script on you a yeah. little bit, right? Because uh, over the last couple of weeks, for our listeners, we've been talking about um, kind of sermon prep and and those those different things for youth ministers. Because one of the things that we've heard from a lot of our audience and talking to guys is is kind of what you guys alluded to. I think for some youth ministers, it's the weekend and, and week out because um, they're preaching. Um, some of these guys are preaching every Wednesday. Some of them are preaching Wednesday and Sunday, okay. multiple times a week and different yeah. things like that. And so I, I think some of them are frustrated and some of them are burnt out in that a, a little bit. And so we want to hear from from you. What are what are what does it look like for you as far as some of these same questions that you ask your guys context, the role of preaching in your church? How far do you plan out and, and what do you do for preparation? So um, let's just walk through those with you, John. So what? As far as you, where, where you're at, what's the context that, that it looks like for you Yeah. as far as your preaching? Um, maybe part of the reason I resonated with Lynn is I'm a little bit of a contemplative Baptist myself. And so we are, we have Baptist connections, but we are very liturgical in what our Sundays look like. So we have the same setup every Sunday, you know, we have the same order of service. Uh, a lot of, most of the time we will do lectionary. So most of the time, you know, I can look pretty far in advance and know, what texts we're going to be featured. We do break off the lectionary sometimes, like this summer. We're going to focus on parables. Last summer we did <laughs> Sermon on the Mount. I had to stop and think about that. But yeah, so we tend to almost always be focused on working through some passages, whether they're coming from the lectionary or whether it is a series that we're going through that's through an actual book, you know, a scripture book. Um, and so that to me is honestly really helpful because that just takes off so much of the... I just know that whatever I'm going to preach on in a given week is going to be whatever we're wrestling with with that text. And that takes some of the pressure off me of really trying to plan out and map out because, you know, back to back to your question, because I'm getting ahead of it. Uh, I'm bivocational. So I work three days a week for our church. And then I work two days a week on our podcast on this podcast. And uh, I do freelance web design and development. So I need good, good rhythms. Uh, I mean, a side note of that is I do we invite, you know, I really only preach two to three times a month. Uh, there's another pastor who's part of our church who preaches once a month, and then we try to invite other voices, maybe friends from other local churches, but even people within our congregation to preach. So um, that's a little bit of our context. We started two and a half years ago. Um, I did do, uh, I just got to get this in. I did youth ministry for 11 years in a large church. Awesome. And so I was looking at your prior, you know, all of your prior shows, all the question titles that you have, and I was just having PTSD <laughs> thinking about all of those so yeah i mean it's there's a lot of there's different things about the context i'm in now i mean our student ministry consists of my 14 year old daughter and one other you know teenage girl because we're a very young church um but there's certainly parallels to youth ministry as well so uh i think that answered your question right you were asking about context yeah I'm much better yes. at asking questions and answering them if you can. That's great. i don't even That's remember great. what the question is so what is what is the what is the role of preaching look like for you in the in the church that you're at? Yeah, I really try to for us I really try to you're totally stealing my questions. Well um, yeah, right, like that's how you're supposed to do it. That's the youth ministry, right? Something's yeah. working somewhere else and we're gonna use it. Yeah, I mean I I I'm a teacher at heart, but I've had to I've had to grow to a space of recognizing, at least for what we're doing, that <laughs> For us, the sermon is the act of calling our people to be the people of God in Austin, Texas in 2016. And so while there are elements of teaching, you know, I tend to focus much more on 
what does it look like for us to live as people in this way? And so even though I, sometimes I would love to get really nude, nerdy, nudie, <laughs> I would love to get really nerdy and do, you know, deep exegetical and word studies. For me, I'm, I've become much more interested in what was, what was the trajectory that was happening in this text to the people that it was written to at that time? And how does that trajectory play out for us now? And what does that call us to? So that's a really quick answer for how I'd unpack, you know, what the role of preaching is in our church. No, that's awesome. So you, you said you did student ministry for 11 years. Think back to that time, what you know now, what you've walked through, the conversations that you've had. How would your teaching have changed when you were in student ministry for 11 years if you knew what you knew now? Hmm. I don't know. I haven't thought about that question. Uh, there's there's a lot of things I would say are still the same. I've I, My teaching in student ministry was more teaching oriented in that I feel like that was an important thing. It was foundational. And I probably would have done more text-based things back then because I think that when you do textual studies right, you're connecting that text into the history that it came out of. And so it becomes real stories about real people in a real time and place. Uh, and we did a fair amount of that, but I think I would have even done more. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I would change much more than that other than maybe, maybe even this element that I'm talking about of this calling would have been just as important to me, you know, of yeah. saying, what does it look like for all of you as middle schoolers or high schoolers to live this out where you are uh, okay. right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, awesome. we had different formats because, you know, we had a youth worship service for some of the time I was there, but not all the time. But then we also had, you know, a class alongside that, which was complementing what was happening in the worship service. So different environments, I think, required and benefited from different types. No, that's great. So when when you start creating a structure, planning out your sermons, what does that look like for you? How far in advance do you go? And... Yeah. Um, so it depends. Typically, the, the teaching, uh, the preaching that I do in our church is I will work myself into the broad rotation that we have, especially when we're in you know, the calendar seasons of Lent and Easter, where we're really leaning into the lectionary. That's actually where I will preach maybe only two times a month and invite other voices in. So I can see those, you know, mapped out for several months at a time. And I'll just, you know, I just set up a document that shows the, the text so I can start to read ahead of those, usually about a month ahead of time. It depends on how many I have coming up in a given month. Then the other thing that I do is, you know, I also go through intensive seasons. So in January, I preached four times in a row because we were doing uh, a series we're talking to, we're in the process right now of developing what's going to be our membership, which is our shared rule of life. And so I preached for four weeks just on what does it look like to have a common life? So that mm-hmm. was much more different where I had that in mind for three months, four months. And I was starting to capture notes on that just because what are all the things that I need to tackle when I get there? So when I'm dealing with series, I'm trying to work usually way in advance because I'll try to hit on a few series. Uh, right now, I'm thinking we'll probably do some intensive teaching on Genesis 1, 2, and 3 come fall. So I'm already starting to scribble down notes and, and capture notes that we'll be using when we come to that, at the same time as focusing on the week-to-week of just the lectionary text that we have coming up, yeah. and then the parables once we get into to June here. Yeah. yeah. What a... Um... So t- talk to us a little bit more about how, I mean, you talked about 
capturing some notes and, and, and thinking through that in a broad scale for you, like on a week to week basis, how do you walk through your writing process of your sermon? Where do you start? What do you pull from? What do you use? I, I'll just, I mean, I'll tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. I am, I, I love productivity stuff. And so I use OmniFocus, which is an app for Mac and iOS. It's on the computer, Chad, so it's kind of technical. Um, (laughs) For his analog self. I have an Etch-a-Sketch, hear me? (laughs) And so. Yeah, and so. I, I have like a template. Is there a way uh, you could print that app out for Chad? And <laughs> I have I have a template that um, every time I'm going to preach a sermon, I just say create a new project for this upcoming sermon, which is my whole to do list for all the pieces. And so, okay, wow, I'll just, wow. I'll just talk you down because this is the one that's coming up for May 22nd, which is one I haven't even started any work on yet, other than I created the list. So, the first set or the first. Uh, task on there is create a Scrivener project with lectionary text. Scrivener is a writing app that I use on Mac that I absolutely. Sorry, are you are you Omni and Scrivener? What's that? Omni and Scrivener? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my heart is warm. My heart is warm, John. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Are you guys talking about something that happened in Star Wars? Is that, is that, is that what you guys are talking yeah. about right Just, now? Just Chad, be quiet. Hold on. We're about to geek out. Hold on. <laughs> All that to say, Scrivener is uh, it's a writing app that I use for putting my sermons together. And so the first thing I'll do is I'll look at what are the lectionary texts for that day. And I put them all in there so that I can start to look at them and say, what am I going to do? Am I going to do the Old Testament text or the New Testament text or the gospel text? Um, and then I go through some really nerdy steps because I sync up my Scrivener app with uh, Dropbox so that I am ready to capture ideas all the time because I use this yeah. app called Drafts on my phone. And the way it's all set up is when I, I can just open up my phone and go to Drafts and I can just start typing something, an idea will come to mind. And then when I, then I've got a little thing in there. <laughs> Um, I, this is hard to say without getting super technical other than the big ideas, <laughs> but what, then anytime I have one of those ideas, I can just type it in and say, add this to the May 22nd sermon. Okay. And so then it's automatically going to sync that into Scrivener. Next time I open Scrivener, it's going to pull it out of Dropbox and it's going to create a new little item. So ideally, uh, as once I've got all that set up, then I've kind of set myself up to just be able to capture stuff at any time. So that's just all technical background to set me up um, for capturing ideas, you know, so then the next, the next steps I will go through are, and now we're getting into like, like something like that, I'll be doing at least a month out. Then as we're okay. getting closer, um, and I'm starting to do the process now of actual, the actual work, which is finalize the text, which one am I going to do? I'll set aside a morning. I try to spend two to three hours every morning. Uh, most of my website stuff is in the afternoon or morning okay. times or church times. So I try to spend two to three hours every morning, just reading, and doing, you know, some sermon prep stuff. So my process from there is I will re- I will take the text that I'm going to read and I'll just, I mostly will do this in a coffee shop where I'm typically surrounded by a bunch of friends who go to that coffee shop. And I'll just start to, in my mind, ask questions about the text. I'll just look at that text and say, what questions would any of the people sitting in the shop have? I'll think about people who are sitting in our congregation and ask questions. You know, our church, uh, you know, our church probably has a hundred a little bit more than that, but about a hundred people, including kids. So I have a good idea of who the people are and what they're up to. And so I ask questions in my mind based on what they, they might be wrestling with. That just helps orient me into the text. 
Then I'll spend time doing commentary study on the text. I use Lagos Bible software, which I love. And I can sit there in my iPad and read commentary and capture notes into, into Scrivener as I go. Um, I'll do you know, more study in Lagos of just doing, I'll look in Lagos for what are all the cross-references I have for this text. Like I have the Tim Keller sermon library, so I can see anytime he's talked about it, see if that sparks ideas. So that's just all a lot of study, word study stuff, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just capturing all of that in Scrivener. Then I get to a stage where I've got the define the contemporary trajectory of the text. And that's what I talked about a little bit ago is ultimately I want to come down to what, what was this text saying to those people then so that I can somehow relate it or say it to our people now and call them to that. Uh, then from there, once I have that in mind, then I've got what I call structure notes into movements. And uh, that's where I'll open Scrivener and I'll start to just drag and drop because I've got all these little documents now and I can drag and drop those and start to put them into uh, the structure that I have for the sermon. Um, and then from there, you know, that's real where the, the final steps of if there's critical pieces, I don't manuscript, but if there's critical pieces, I'll try to manuscript those out. Now we're talking, you know, typically, ideally, we're talking Thursday morning, something like this is happening before the, before Sunday, the sermon. Yeah. Uh, and because I I mean, I, I can tell when I've really been able to hammer out ideas by typing out the words. I'm, a, I'm an internal processor. You know, some, might, some people like to talk this out. I write it out in my head. Uh, and then I'll final, you know, from there I'll finalize, um, I'll finalize an outline and put it on my iPad and ideally be ready to go on Sunday. Ideally. <laughs> Make slides and such things as that. That's fascinating. It's so interesting to me. I mean, listening to you and then having listening, having listened to a, a few of your other podcasts, um, how different but how similar so many different people are in crafting their sermons and, and the way that they work. And, and Zach and myself have talked about uh, this a lot and the, the different ways that we, we do that and walk through it. And it's always fascinating to me. Um, just the journey that everyone takes, right? Yeah. Um, and creating creating these talks and and listening to the Lord along the way and 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 kind of working that out. It's it's absolutely fascinating to me. I'm actually kind of like I'm almost like amused, John, that for all the technical precision you have in your preparation, that for the most part you're not manuscripted at the end. Like that is, I think, almost like a an encouragement to me or an affirmation to me that you can put all of that really particular detailed thoughtful like i mean you're digitizing and collectivizing all the different things that you're doing but at the end you're, you're letting like the overflow almost kind of speak out of all that hard work you've done you know you know a lot of the technical is because it'll, it frees me up i really believe okay. that about 50 percent of my sermon prep happens when i'm sitting at that table at the coffee shop you know sometimes sitting at my desk but i you know my office is in my master bedroom as you can see behind me so uh <laughs> I love how perfectly illuminated your wedding photo is by the <laughs> lamp. It's like, it's like, it's like uplit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I feel like the other 50% of my prep just happens while I'm reading something else or I'm listening to okay. something else. And so being set up to capture those ideas and know that they're just going to end up in there with everything else. So that's why the technical technology stuff is really helpful to me. Cause I just know I've got a reliable system where any ideas I have for this, they're going to be waiting for me when I come back to really start to put all the ideas into place. It's really helpful for me because there's so much and you you can call it being contemplative. You can just call it the journey of life. You can call it inspiration from the Lord. I think all of those are, are part of it. But I just feel like a lot of what comes to my sermon 
comes to me when I'm out and about. And I think that's a really good right. thing. You know, I think because it's I'm, you know, and I have an advantage, right? Because I'm living a life that's very similar to the people who I'm preaching to, you know, mm-hmm. if we frequent the same you guys don't have that. And most of your audience, right. you're not living student ministry life. So that's harder work, you know, to contextualize for them. But you at least hopefully spend a lot of time and have conversations with them. I just talk about Justin Bieber a lot. Yeah, I bet that I bet that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's helpful. <laughs> it sometimes divides the room, but you know, people people like people like to believe. Uh, okay. That's the best response. I bet that's helpful. Well, I am your first guest. So I, you know, I well, but one of the things that I, I want to pull from you, John, is, is for some of your collective wisdom of just all the different people you've interviewed. Because I think one of the things that is kind of the after nine reason for having you involved in the show is I feel like a lot of youth pastors struggle with the expectations or the markers for success. And I, and I wonder if maybe you could share a little bit of maybe for your own self or just in the ways you've talked to other like pastors, senior pastors, preaching pastors. Like what, what are the things that they wrestle with that could help like humanize what it means to deliver a talk in relationship to, was this any good? Uh, What should I expect from a good talk or a bad talk? I mean, like at at what point do you know what to do with the thing that you've been working so hard on every week? Oh man, don't ask me out today because I don't feel really great about yesterday's sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Let's start there. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Man, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. Cause I don't know how much, you know, we've broached that some, but uh, so much of what I talk about with people is the, the beforehand. There are a few people who have okay. talked about, you know, questions that they go through afterwards or feedback or critique that they get afterwards. Um, you know, from, uh, for me personally, uh, may, maybe this will be helpful. And this is going to kind of, this is how I've come to be comfortable each week in and out with preaching and knowing this is what I need to do. And so sometimes it might go really well. And sometimes I might not feel like it connected as well. And, um, but one of the things that I've learned from the podcast that I would have probably resisted before starting it is that I've settled into doing pretty much the same sermon structure every single time. Mm-hmm. And that so helps me, uh, with a few things. First of all, it helps me know that I'm going to hit some primary criteria that I feel like I want to hit every time I'm preaching to know that it was quote unquote successful, which is Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I've explored a text. I want to make sure that I've called our people to something and I want to make sure that I've given them an imagination for what it might look like in their life. Now, some weeks my, my call might not be as, you know, poignant as others. And some weeks I might do more justice to the text than others. And some weeks I might do a better job for them of giving them the imagination for what it looks like for them to live this out. Uh, and so even as I sit here and think about yesterday, that's part of what I felt like is uh, we came back from vacation. I feel like I just was behind and I didn't really hammer out as well the imagination piece. All right. So I'm, I'm like going multiple different directions. So structure for me, here's why that's been helpful. Uh, every week, even as I'm collecting all these ideas, when it really comes time to put the sermon together, I have a four-step structure that I'm going to fit the sermon into. And so I just start to look at these pieces and slide them in. And the reason I got comfortable with this came from a friend of mine named Gideon saying, Gideon's a pastor here in Austin. I was actually preaching at his church quite a bit, and they partnered with us as our church got started. Gideon is this, uh, he's Chinese-Canadian, right? Not Chinese-American, but he grew up in Canada. Uh, But he's 
just really, I, I never remember my brain hemispheres. He's just a really artsy, uh, not concrete, you know, reflective thinker. Uh, I would have never guessed that he'd be a guy who does, but he preaches a three point outline every week, every time, but you um, don't know it. You don't know it. And so for him, it, it, came, doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel that right, way. Right, like right. When you listen, you don't feel right. it. Okay. But for him, it came down to, he saw an interview. Uh, he, he saw an interview with the, one of the guys who produced um, the golden girls, but he also produced, what was the, <laughs> what was the Bluth? What was Michael Bluth? What show was? Oh, the, Oh, stop, stop. This is, we're embarrassed. We're going to pause the recording because we don't know. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm sold on Golden Girls. You don't need to, I mean, this guy to Arrested me is upper echelon. My name is oh, the banana gosh. stand. Um, the rest of development, thank you, thank seminarians, yeah, yeah. world world. Yeah, All yeah. right, so the producer for the Golden Girls was also producer for Arrested Development. And Gideon saw an interview with this guy that basically said that, that the structure for every episode of the Golden Girls matched the same structure for every episode of Arrested Development. That there's, <laughs> that there's this arc format structure that they use for every episode to fit it into. And so, you know, Gideon leaned in on that and he realized he could do the same thing with a three-point sermon. I don't use a three-point sermon. It doesn't, I, I, I'll still argue with him about the three-point sermon, but there's definitely been, because of the week-to-week and because you talk about so many people who are doing youth ministry or, or really any kind of ministry, unless their only job is teaching pastor, there's so many other things that they're doing yeah. that to know that I have this structure to fit it into is going to be super helpful for me. And it, it streamlines the process. It takes a lot of the stress out of the process for me because I know I've got all these pieces and then it's just a matter of starting to slide the pieces in, into the structure. And then the ones that don't fit, I just leave them out. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you real briefly, I, I feel like everybody's structure, everybody's going to benefit to some degree of coming up with their own structure. Um, but, you know, for me, the structure is I always want to start with some kind of tension. What is, uh, what is the what is something some tension that we can immediately feel because we share it or maybe it's a story from my own life or it's a, you know, Yesterday, I just put up the picture of the five current candidates for the election, and that was our tension right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because I talked about that the anxiety we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I want to start with a tension that ultimately we're going to work towards, you know, addressing. Um, then I go to the text. I almost always, you know, follow up the tension with the text. Sometimes the text is the tension. That happens sometimes. But the text is really just going to be a let's look at this text together, and I'll highlight some key parts of it. I don't really unpack verse by verse even though, like I said, I'd like to do that with my teaching bent. Um, From there, I go to what I call the calling, which is, in light of this text, who are we called to be? Who were those people that were hearing this called to be? So yesterday was Revelation 5, you know, and this text was to this persecuted church, this reminder that Jesus is on the throne and Jesus is Lord, and that's where Jesus is right now. And when we're feeling the anxiety and the stress of this election season, you know, we have to remember that we're a people who our primary story is Jesus is Lord. And so that's the calling. And then the fourth part is the imagination. And you could say imagination is application, but I kind of define them differently because um, application can sometimes be too specific and here's specific things you need to do. Whereas for me, I, I consider imagination to be a little bit more um, 
anecdotal, metaphorical, you know, like this is what it might look like for you to live mm -hmm. in this way. What does it look like for you to choose who you're going to vote for, remembering first that Jesus is Lord, mm -hmm. you know? So knowing that I have those four things. So even though, you know, even though I feel like I, there are bits and pieces that weren't as straightforward and weren't as clear in my sermon yesterday, I still know that I went through those four things i still know that i certainly know i did a good job of creating tension <laughs> um, <laughs> but i know that i know that we went through a text and i called our people to something i felt like the imagination didn't work as well yesterday but it was there so that's been helpful yeah. for me and that's so good because as we talk to to other guys in student ministry i think like zach was talking about oftentimes you get off the stage and it's like was that good or not and then yeah. our only way to like evaluate it was like some sort of like emotional response by teenagers yeah. and i love the way that you that you put that right that you've in some ways you've almost built in some structure of evaluation sure. um for for ourselves in the minute we walk off stage of of asking the question okay was i um was i obedient in what i i feel like god's called me to do in writing these sermons and i think that that is fantastic and a really practical tip um for for our listeners well, I hope so. I hope it can be helpful. Dude. It has been for me. Thanks for listening to After Nine. Join the community and continue the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or visit afternineministry.com to share your story.